I empathize. I get it. I hear it, whether you're online or whether you're in this room. Uh, Drew said some very, very true words when you, and this happens way, way, way too often, or maybe it's just as life would have it right now. But such a, an incredible experience last Sunday night, the B prayer experience. Um, I look for things that will rock me. I look for things that will rattle me. I look for things that will shake me up and bring me to a place that I need to go to and something that I need to pay attention to. And I got through with last Sunday night, left, and thinking, okay, that was really good. And then I got up the next morning, and something was different. I got up and I got ready to have my quiet time, and I had my quiet time, and I had done, I had written my page that I usually write, and and it was literally like the Holy Spirit said, whoa, stop. What's your rush? Because I sat in a room last Sunday night that said, be still. And for some reason, I needed to hear that so bad and even so much worse than I even thought that I needed to hear it. As we walk into today, I do not come to you as one who has this one figured out. We're talking about the pitfall of temptation. It's one that some of you are probably struggling with deeper than you ever thought you ever could, even right now at this moment. Matter of fact, some of you probably have your apple on your mind, whatever that thing is that's that temptation for you. And I happen to come across, and I've confessed this before, that there's uh, a little, little part of me that really enjoys Twitter. And I saw this this morning. Check this quote out. Uh, the vast majority of Christians are educated past their level of obedience. In other words, we know what we're supposed to do. And we've had so many classes on it, and we've had so many messages on it. We've been told, we've been scolded, we've been everything else. And what do we do? Man, that's still awful nice. And I can't tell you what your weakness is or your weaknesses are. The Holy Spirit can clearly point that out to you, and that is my prayer for you as we walk into this this morning. But I want you to listen, not just to the words that I say, more specifically to the Scripture that is read, and on top of that, what the Holy Spirit might speak to your life about your issue. Not what you see the world's got, not what you see everybody around you, not what your wife or your husband's got, not what your children have, not what your brother or sister or friends at school, not what I have, but yours. The apple. God created it. Serious doubt of whether this was the fruit that was on the tree in the garden. We don't know that, but it was a fruit, and we do know that. God created it to be good, not bad. For good, not for evil. But he set limits on Adam and Eve. The problem is, is and this is the truth, the fruit was not the sin, but it was more symbolic of Adam and Eve and really all of mankind, which includes you and me, choosing their own way, their own desire over God's will and God's way. 
That's what temptation takes us away from, is what God intended for us from the very beginning. And let's be honest, Adam and Eve were lied to. They were deceived, if you will, by the serpent in the garden. But let's not forget the most important thing. They made the choice to disobey. You and I do exactly the same thing. So many things in our lives that are actually there that in and of themselves they are not sin, but we make them sin in the spot we put them in our lives. That is the reality of it. The temptation was not, the temptation is not the sin in and of itself, but by giving in to the temptation, that leads to sin against God. When we give in to that temptation, the same is true for us, the same is true at this moment. So what is temptation? Well, temptation is not an apple. Temptation, uh, according to the Nelson Bible Dictionary, and this one is so simple but so profound, but I think it explains it so well. Temptation is an enticement or an invitation to sin with implied promise of greater good to be derived from following the way of disobedience. In other words, temptation is something that promises more than it will ever deliver it promises something that will end up in emptiness it promises something that will that will fulfill but in the end will lead to an emptiness like you've never experienced before in first john chapter 2 and verse 16 for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And who is the, the ruler of this world as we know it? Well, it is Satan. You can see his death grip on the people of this world, the hearts that are not surrendered to Christ. Now, many translations read 1 John chapter 2, this verse, verse 16, like this, they actually say, and you may have memorized it like this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Another way to say it is, uh, that feels good, the lust of the flesh, or the lust of, uh, uh, the, the lust of the eyes, which means that looks good to me, so I want it. Or the last one, the pride of life. I've got this. I can do this all on my own. And I don't even need God. I can handle this. That is the pride of life. So today we're continuing our study on the pitfalls. This is week two of the pitfalls that we have in life through the life of Joseph. And we take a, another moment, another glimpse of his life. This story is amazing. It begins in Genesis 37 and goes on through Genesis chapter 50. And you need to keep your eyes on it because we're just going to pick out a few spots and work through this over the next few weeks. But Joseph has been spared by his brothers. They were going to kill him and throw him into a pit, but he has been spared. But he's also been sold as a slave to the Egyptians by his brothers. And now he's been away from his family for a long time. And a lot has happened since we talked last week. He has, 
He's done what a lot of us need to do whenever people do us wrong, and that's what happened in his life. In the story we looked at last week, he's moved on. He's realized that the Lord has something for him, even in the midst of the struggle that he's had to go through. He's been away from his family for a long time now. And here's the cool thing. In all of this, the Lord is blessing him in ways that he could never have possibly imagined. With all that evil that happened to him. So we are in Genesis chapter 39 and beginning in verse 1. I hope you'll either look on the screen or look on your Bible that's in your lap or look on your phone or something that you've got with you that you can look with me. But I want you to follow along with me in this. It says in verse 1, Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders and he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. So this is like second in command to the, to the king, the royal leadership. And Potiphar was very key. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And the Lord was, and this is important, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Verse 3, Potiphar noticed this. He noticed that, it, that Joseph was a blessed man. He noticed this and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph and giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. And so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. Now get this, look where he goes with this. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned and from the day joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property the lord began to bless potiphar's household for joseph's sake not for potiphar's sake but because of who joseph was god blessed that household and his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished so potiphar gave joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned with Joseph there he didn't worry about a thing except the kind of food he ate hmm. and Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man and Potiphar's wife began to look at him lustfully come and sleep with me she demanded now After all his brothers did for him, to help a brother out, if you will, Joseph ended up extremely successful after all of that. He would land one of the most important jobs in all of Egypt. And the opportunities and the blessings just kept coming, and he had more power, more responsibility. Honestly, probably more power, more responsibility than a human ought to have. But God just kept giving. God's hand was upon Joseph. It was God's plan that was causing, and we use this verse in so many different ways, but this is exactly what was happening here in Philippians 4.13. That he was causing all things to work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That's who Joseph was and that's what God was doing. And he was apparently, and this is, this is funny to me when I first read this in the Word, but apparently he was very good looking. Well built. Had a pretty face. I mean, it was, it was very clear that he told us that he had something special. 
And life was better than Joseph could ever have imagined. And then the boss's wife enters the picture. You ever have that happen in your life? Everything is going great. And then all of a sudden, it gets rough. And you never saw it coming. It wasn't where it was supposed to be. And this is very real. Number one on your outline is this success can, be a huge, can become a huge pitfall. When everything is so good, it can become a huge pitfall because that's where we can begin to depend on ourselves. And Joseph's success became a pitfall literally for Potiphar's wife because everything was going so well for him. For her, it began in the lust of the flesh. For so many, this pride of life, our accomplishments, I did this, we literally get to a point. And this is probably one of the greatest fallacies and challenges in the United States of America is we've got so much, we can do so much, we can handle so much of on our own, our own that we get the pride of life and we fail to realize our desperate need for Almighty God. That becomes a temptation for us we think we can handle everything but we forget some important things like jesus told us in john chapter 10 and verse 10 the very first part he says the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy well who's he talking about well he's talking about you he wants to destroy those who are walking strong with the lord he wants to destroy that testimony in genesis the tempter was Satan with the pride of life thing that was standing before them. In this story, it's Potiphar's wife bringing on something that is a struggle for most human beings. He is relentless and he uses Potiphar's wife to try and to break up, impede, mess up where the hand of God is blessing Joseph. Now the answer to all of this is that we have to go back to the place where we humble ourselves before the Lord rather than taking pride in what we can do. We humble ourselves before the Lord so that He can lift us up in due time. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. So Joseph appears to attempt to avoid this pitfall. It seems like at every turn, he's doing everything he can to stay away, to, to not be taken in by the eyes or the looks or the talks of this woman. But with life being good and him being good looking, the enemy puts desires in his boss's wife that are wrong. Now, here's how you win this kind of thing. Here's where you begin with this. This is number two on your outline. Defeating temptation requires an advanced directive. You better have it written out, recorded, saved, 10 people knowing about it, how you get away from this situation when it ends up on your doorstep, whatever it might be. Remember, everybody's apple is different, but everybody's got an apple. Everybody's got something they have to deal with. So here's how we get that advanced directive in the right place in our lives. Here's the first thing I think about. I think you got to have standards. you got to have standards that are in place, 
that are not your standards. They're biblical standards. They're given by God. You've got to have convictions, convictions that didn't originate in your heart. They have to come from the Word of God, not from, from us. They have to come from Him. The truth of the Word will show us how Jesus defeated Satan in His, attempt, in his temptations in the wilderness. That's where we learn from. And, and seriously, if you, if you want to even have a chance to win the battle, and it will be a battle... And those of you who have struggled with this for years and years, you know it is an ongoing battle that never seems to end. But if you're going to fight a battle, you better have a battle plan in place before the war ever begins. Or he'll knock you off your throne so fast. And you'll find yourself eating dirt. And you won't even know what hit you. We have to learn to recognize temptation for what it is. That it is an attack of the enemy in Genesis chapter 39, following on there. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. He, he's taking it off of her. He said, well, this is on me right now. He's given me responsibility, and I take that seriously. And look at look, verse 9 there. He says, and no one here has no more authority than I do. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And some of us in this room probably need to hear that right now. That's his wife. That's her husband. He respected marriage. He respected the marriage of his master. And he goes on, he says, how could I do such a wicked thing? What a great sin against God. And she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. The temptation was there. It was real. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Sometimes our flesh will flat out lie to us. We must beware. Joseph had uh, character. He had conviction. But he was still a man. He was still a human being. And he knew he could not stay in that situation where the apple was continued to be thrown before him and be okay. He was aware of the path that this could take him down, and he knew that it could mean disaster for him, for his job, for Potiphar, and for his family, for the reputation of the royal family. He knew that it was bigger than just him and one incident. He knew it was bigger than that. In verse 10, you read about Potiphar's wife again, it, says, it essentially says she was like crazy persistent. It was every single day, it was every time that he passed within view of her. Come on, nobody will know. That's, what, that's where temptation begins to take us. We can relate to the enemy. Can you relate to the enemy going after you every single day? Say, no, come on. It won't be that bad. This will be good. Just, just try it. You'll like it. Everybody else likes it. Watch them on social media. Watch them on TV. 
Watch your friends at school. Watch your people at work. It's good. Just, just one bite. Last week when we looked at that very first part of Joseph, Joseph, before he was thrown into that cistern into the ground, they took his coat off of him. In this story, something is about to happen again, and he's going to literally lose his coat for the second time. Now, it's probably not the same coat. That one was probably destroyed, and his brother's took it because of jealousy. Now this woman is about to take it in order to kill his reputation. Joseph won the battle because he had a battle plan. Three things motivated him, reminded him what was wrong. One was that she wasn't his wife. That's a problem. And it was a problem for him. It's a problem for us. It was not his wife. The second one, his master trusted him completely. It would cost him, the cost would be too great. It would cost everything that I've worked so far hard for and that the Lord has blessed me with. And then the last one, and this is number three, and if you, don't, if you miss everything else, don't miss this one. Even if nobody else ever knew, God would. It's actually embarrassing to think about the fact that God knows every temptation we have that we've had, that we're going to have, even knows how we've responded to them. Every single one of them. He knows when we've just chosen to dive right in to that sin. He knows the emptiness that it left us with, even though it might have been a great moment of joy for whatever it was. Number three on your outline, the key to defeating temptation is dependent upon the preparation before the proposition. The preparation before the proposition. I know these last two kind of sound like, but they're different. I want you to think about this. Verse 39, here's what happened. One day, however, no one was around when he went to do his work. Do you see a problem? She came and she grabbed him by his cloak, his outer garment, his coat. Demanding, come sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but left his cloak in her hand as he ran from her house. No one else was around. I think about it like this. Many of us cave into temptation when we are alone. Am I wrong? And this may not even mean that we're by ourselves, if you hear what I'm saying. You can be alone and not be by yourself, and that's a great place to fall into temptation. You don't have to be by yourself to be alone, but if you don't care who sees you, there's a huge problem there as well. I'm not that old. I remember things that I saw at senior parties. Nobody cared what people saw, but yet the Lord sees it all. Potiphar's wife stepped up her game. She no, it was no longer just words. She took a hold of him. She took a hold of his garment. She was pulling him towards her. Picture that in your mind. And like Joseph, temptation will seek you out. 
and he'll seek me out. It doesn't appear that Joseph went looking for trouble at any point in this. It went looking for him. And his only problem was maybe that he stuck around a little too long. But often, we like to, or at least we are tempted to, go all the way up to that line. And we flirt with the line. And when you flirt with the line, experience tells me you will lose. You will eventually lose. No matter what your temptation is, if you flirt with that line, you will eventually lose. It's like playing with fire. If you play with fire, you will eventually get burned. And I'm sitting here looking at people in this room, and I know some of you in this room that have played literally with fire. And guess what? You got burned. And some of us sadly play the part of Potiphar's wife. You are the tempter. You're not being tempted. You are the tempter. You may not know this, but at this point, you are being used by Satan to do some of his dirty work, no matter what that temptation might be. It may be uh, in a sexual nature. It may be uh, some wrong desire for physical things like stuff, things we could buy or things that we can own, another uh, kind of pleasure that doesn't honor the Lord. Maybe it's a desire for drinks. Maybe it's a desire for drugs. Maybe it's a desire for... You fill in the blank because you know what yours is. So what do we do with this? I mean, we've been educated through the roof on what temptation is, where it comes from, how we're supposed to deal with it. But when are we going to get to the point so that it's not just something that we know about, but it's something that we actually respond to in a godly way. When are we going to, you know, I heard you a second ago when you said, but the Lord knows what these things are doing. But God knows everything that we do. I understand, I feel that with you. But when are we going to start living that? How do we avoid temptation? couple things I just want you to think about jot down maybe apply to your brain in some way write them on your hand I don't care where you get them but you need these number one is this create healthy boundaries create healthy boundaries I don't don't know what that's going to look like for you but for me it's not just good fences it's good fences with an electric piece of barbed wire or razor wire across the top of it, because if not, by nature, I'm going to be the person that goes all the way up to the line. And God, I need your help on this because I am a weak human being. And like you, I have issues. Do you you know what your temptations really are? There's no way I can make a complete list. I just thought through some things and, and prayed through this, and this might be some of you, but some of this is definitely some of me. Is your temptation things, and you want to bring everybody around with you to get on the same page with things? Is your temptation, I know I shouldn't say this, but food? And we bring people right along there with us because we're happier that way. Is your temptation, is is it sexual? Is it lust? Is your temptation, 
gossip? Talking about other people because it's fun? You don't believe what I just heard. Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Here's something we don't even think about. Is it adrenaline? That rush? Is it shopping? That rush? Now I want you to think about all of these things, every single one of these, why they may involve different senses with our body, every single one of these have to do with the connection that goes in our brain. And it's why we get addicted to things. Whether it's whether it's a drug or an alcohol, whether it's sexual, whether it's shopping, whether it's adrenaline, it has something to do with connections that are going on in our brain. And if we let those continue and we keep in front of us the temptation, Potiphar's wife will one day find you alone. Are you man enough or are you woman enough to stand up to Satan at that point? Because you will have to, and you feel that the reality is, is you will not be able to do it on your own. Some realities in this that will help. Create boundaries that when you let them enter your mind, and be careful what is entering your mind, whether it's through your computer, your phone, whether it's through TV, Because we become what we ingest. You are what you eat, if you will. I think about it like this. If some of these are here involve other people, then restrict who you'll go with and where you'll go with them. We live in a world that not only accepts or excuses sin, we live in a world that celebrates sin. Be careful what you're celebrating. And do this. Put a warrior. Put a warrior between you and your weakness. And now what that means is that with that warrior, that person that you trust, that person that you depend on, you're going to have to get to a point where you say, all right, Drew, this... This is my weakness. You're fighting a battle for me. You're praying for me. You're lifting me up because this is a struggle that I have. And then maybe your greatest boundary, your greatest protection is simply walking close to Jesus. Because if you're a mile away from Jesus, you're going to be a mile closer to your temptation. Here's number two on that right there. Never say never. One of the things where I see people fall over and over again is people saying, well, that never happened to me. That's the very people that I see that happen to them. Here's another one. Be very aware of the ripple effect. Because our response to temptation has a very real ripple effect. The tempter, Satan, is always, he's always making it seem like there's really no cost to giving in to the temptation. That it's just us, nobody else will ever see it, ever know it. Yeah, they will. Be aware of how many ripples that your one surrender to temptation might make. Think about your spouse. Think about your kids. 
Think about your grandkids one day. Think about the ministry that God has called you to. You don't have to stand in a pulpit to have a ministry. Every one of you have a ministry. And it would have a ripple effect on that ministry that God has given you. What is the truth of the situation? And the last one? (laughs) The last one I think Joseph handled perfectly, and it's one that we need to, to keep. It's one that we need to literally not keep in our back pocket. We probably need to keep it right up here, maybe even taped in front of our eyes if we need to. Be ready to run. There's something that's healthy about running, and I'm not talking about good exercise. But when you find yourself in temptation and it will not go away, and no matter what you try to do, how you try to to meditate and pray and think and get things going in the right direction, listen, I'm telling you, Satan's out to destroy you. And he will throw it anywhere and everywhere, whatever your temptation is, just to simply destroy you. Some of you are going to have to run, and sometimes it's going to be running away from a woman or a man like happened in this story. For some of you, it's going to be running uh, running away from a shopping spree. For some of you, it's going to be running away from food. I don't know what you're going to have to run away from, but run from it. Just like Joseph had to. What was happening to Joseph would have cost him everything. And it would us too. One last verse in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Wisdom tells us this. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines your course of life. I want you to stand with me across the stream, if you will. I want you to think about what needs to happen in your life right now. And I know this is a this is a uncomfortable place because we think if we come down to the altar today that people will think that we're weak and that we've got a temptation. Let me let you off the hook. Look to your right, now look to your left. That person you just saw, they have a temptation. And we all need the Lord to help us with it. It's a great time to fill an altar with us just getting ourselves to the place, whether we're struggling with that now or we know that it's a struggle that will come back, that we lay that down before the Lord in this moment one way you'll never win this battle is alone if you've never trusted christ as your savior and as your lord you will lose this battle every time it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when we have to have the lord jesus said repent and believe repent of your sin and trust christ by grace through faith alone I empathize with you in this struggle, for it's very real. But it's time for us to move beyond what we know and do what we know. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need you right now. 
I believe that you have spoken to hearts all over this room and you've spoken to, to hearts that are online right now. And Lord, we need to do business with you about the struggles that we have. Or maybe we need to do business with you because we don't know you and we need to know you now. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If God's speaking to you, swallow that pride. Come find one of us. Kneel before an altar. Whatever needs to happen, you obey the Lord.